Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. The NBA playoff action is non-stop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday? Try DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And right now, all customers can place a Same Game Parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code IHEART. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code IHEART. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Virginia only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call the Virginia Problem Gambling Helpline at 888-532-3500. What is going on, Colts Beat Nation? And welcome back to another episode of your favorite Colts podcast, The Colts Beat, brought to you by the Say It Again Network. Rondo Griffin, Anthony Gula, your host as always. But today we are joined by a special third guest, first guest of the show, friend off of the air, former co-worker, former podcaster. I want you guys to give it up for Zach Carmichael joining the Colts Beat. Zach, how you feeling? Yo, hey, what's up, Rondo? First off, thanks for having me. I uh, feel great. I'm excited to really get back into the swing of things here, talking Colts, and uh, I'm really grateful for you guys having me on the show. Anthony, you as well. Um, I'm excited for it. I like what you guys are doing here for the the uh, Colts community in the sense of podcasting. Uh, I think there's a lot of good information coming out of these two, and uh, it's definitely something you guys want to pay attention to, especially with the season uh, only about eight, nine weeks out. So I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. You know, the season's right around the corner. Just had OTAs trying to get kicked pretty soon. You know, and the other sports are ending off. Football's, it's about to be football's time to shine. And so, Anthony, definitely kick it to you, obviously, with the season coming up. So we, we, we've talked a lot about this team coming into training camp. You're going into a new quarterback, four years, four years, fourth quarterback, same guy. Wright gets his guy in Wentz. But let's, so let's, so let's just start off the show talking about the quarterback room. We know Wentz is going to start. I guess you could argue that there's a – a fight and a battle for the backup position, but the quarterback room going into the season, Anthony, how do you feel about this group in this unit? Uh, personally, I feel really good about this quarterback uh, unit here. Uh, Wentz, he's, you know, he's kind of an unknown right now. I think he's going to succeed, but um, as a whole, I really like Jacob Eason. I wasn't, you know, as crazy about him as everybody else was. I didn't, I wasn't like clamoring for him to start just, unlike some people, but I think if something happens to when something unforeseen, you know, he just, he doesn't have a great um, uh, history of being healthy. And if something happens and, and Easton has to come in for a day or two uh, for a game or two, I've, I definitely think he is serviceable. 
Yeah, you know, and definitely then, Zach, I want to get your opinion. Um, first and foremost, just because, especially on draft day, the, the Sam Ellinger pick, for whatever reason, caught a lot of ire on Twitter and amongst Colts fans in that. You know, and I just didn't understand it. It's a late-round pick. I don't understand. So, Zach, I don't know. I'll ask you, the Sam Ellinger draft pick, did that make you feel some type of way, or did you figure it out just of you just grab the guy, the best player available, it doesn't hurt you to put that guy on the team? Uh, yeah, it was it was definitely an unknown. Um, but now having the time from draft day to where we are now, things seem to come to start to make sense. And the fact that you know they're talking about his character, some of the best coming out of this draft, um, you know that's kind of what Chris Ballard preaches in the locker room. And then the other thing I I started to think too is, you know, we don't know what wins we're going to get. Right? We may get a wince that that is not going to work, and he may not be here for four years, and Eason has to come in and essentially take over the starting role. Um, heaven forbid, you know, it, you know, despite that happening. Um, and so they, they wanted a backup behind that. Um, they saw Sam Ellinger there being available and they thought, why not at least try it? So, um, it definitely threw me off. I, I didn't think we needed a quarterback. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm glad we didn't take one earlier on. So yeah, it, it was a little of a surprise, but kind of what we've all learned here since Ballard's been here is you just kind of got to trust the process, if you will. So, uh, I, I've been trying to take a step back and see how the season pans out before I kind of make my, my thoughts on good bad you know so uh i everybody give it a chance um they, like i said they, they say the kids got great character and uh you know who, who knows what what will happen so. yeah you know and the mantra of this team really this culture has been drafting high character guys bringing in guys who necessarily don't have issues on or off the field uh, so we can we can make the ebron jokes but really i mean if that's the only player you can really name of having a bad attitude in terms of being on the colts i think you've got a great system going but with you know it's it, Sam Elger is a six-round pick. He, he's not hurting anything. He's obviously not going to come shake up anything. He's definitely not going to start. But I, I guess the question goes, and I'll start with you, Anthony. You know, typically teams, you don't carry three quarterbacks. Typically, it's two, and then you've got your guys on a practice squad. So uh, people have been talking about Sam Ellinger and that he's a great, great in the RPO. He's a mobile quarterback. Do you think the Colts are going to put him on the roster, or do you think he's safe to put him on the practice squad? Oh, man. The, the the fact that we you know took a draft pick and e- even if it was a late round pick, I st- I still think that we're gonna have him on the roster from from the simple fact of that we've had um, you know good quarterbacks just put on the practice squad. Uh, PJ Walker is is a prime example. You know he was a a practice squad quarterback for the Colts, and he went to the the XFL, tore it up, and then he landed a job with the Panthers. So. Uh, I think if if they really like this kid, they're they're gonna want to keep him um, on the roster. Same same reason with J- with Jacob Eason last year. Jacob Eason um, was not on the practice squad at all because they knew that somebody else was gonna scoop him up quickly. So, um, and, and plus Ballard is used to finding these guys in the late in the late rounds, and and there were a lot of like really good players this year that that went undrafted. So so even though it was a late round pick, I feel like the fact that he used a draft pick on him, he's been like. He he's in high regard to Chris Ballard, so I think he's going to be on the on the main roster this season. Yeah, you know it, it's definitely a tough situation. Obviously, you know you mentioned the fact that it, it's a late round pick. You, as you guys were kind of both say, you you trust Ballard, you trust the team, you trust the brain trust. Obviously, they're football guys; they know exactly what they're doing. It, it's not necessarily there's no controversy behind that position. It's not like you brought in a guy who's going to actually try to compete with Wentz. It, it's really more so of development and looking towards the future. But with that, let's get off the quarterbacks. I, honestly, I don't think we really need to even get into the running backs. That, that's probably the most consistent, if I'm next to the O line in terms of talent, what you're bringing in. All guys use J- 
Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mag, Naeem Hines, and e- even Jordan Wilkins. Uh, those are your four guys. I guess you could. I guess. Well, I guess we could make the argument. Maybe Deion Jackson keeps that undrafted streak and makes a roster over Wilkins. But let's talk about the receivers. And definitely, Zach, I want to hear from you. So, the receiver group on this offense. Let's, let's involve the tight ends in that also. I would say I would argue that's the biggest question mark. So, Zach, I'll ask you: Is there a receiver in that group, receiver tight end, where it's it's a put up or shut up year? I, I don't really think the tight ends. Uh, I'll kind of knock that out, kind of be quick. Uh, I think Molly Cox really only got last year to really get a shot, and then for whatever reason, his playing time got cut down. So I don't think he's at a risk of a of a play or or not play um, standard. Um, the guy I kind of want to point out here in the in the wide receiver group is Paris Campbell. Um, I'm not going to give too much info, but Paris Campbell is my neighbor. So I've, I not that I have any intel, but I do see the guy. Um, he's really working. I'll I'll put it that way. Uh, the guy's working hard. Um, I mean, I always see him. He's got one of those um, those machines that like shoot the ball at you more or less. And I mean, he's constantly out there working. So I think Paris Campbell uh, is definitely putting in the effort. Uh, I'm really pulling for the guy. I think he's a, he's a, a grade A talent personally. Um, and I think that people are kind of sleeping on Paris Campbell because of his injuries. But this wide receiver group as a whole, even with Mike Stratton, which I think is is really, I mean, could could be a, a receiver that we see make the roster that that may be a little unex- unexpected, a freak athlete. Um, but I think the wide receiver group, honestly, is not all that bad. Um, you, you can't have a great group at every single position group because it's just not possible. That's what the salary cap's for. Um, but overall, I do think the wide receivers um, are going to play pretty well. I think Pittman's obviously going to take a step up. I think T.Y. Hilton's having the most fun he's ever had, um, despite, you know, obviously his years with Andrew Luck. Um, so I think as a whole, I think the the, the chemistry's there. We see Wentz is, is flying him out or they're flying out to whatever location, you know, Texas and North Dakota uh, to throw some footballs. So I think South Dakota, whichever one, I think it's definitely a, a, um, um, a good chemistry going on in the locker room. I'm excited about this wide receiver group. And like I said, I think we keep our eyes on Paris Campbell. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people because uh, when healthy, I mean, the guy can can easily personally go over a thousand yards. That's just kind of my thought. So kind of a bold prediction, but um, I, I do think a, a fully healthy Paris Campbell playing 16 games. Uh, we're going to be surprised with how good of a group this wide receiver group is. All right. You, you heard it here. Colts B fans. Inside info from Paris Campbell's neighbor. That's the guy to watch out for. But no, honestly, I, I mean, I agree with you. In the very small flashes we've seen of when he's able to be, be on the field, you know, you see the speed, you see the yak potential. It's there. And it, it's going to be very important, especially the fact that, obviously, you mentioned T.Y. Hilton's up there in age. P- Paris Campbell is the next guy and probably really the only guy on this roster who has the capability to take tops off the defense. So he's going to be very important to the success of this team. Obviously, you you know, you bring in Wentz. Wentz has got the arm to find him deep. You, you really need that. And he should have an easier time just due to the fact that with our running backs, with our offensive line, the receivers, for the most part, I would want to say are going to be facing one-on-ones because most defenses, if not all of them, are going to be worried about stopping and Taylor stuff in the box. But we'll see that. But Anthony's, I'll ask. I mean, so he mentioned Paris Campbell. Is there another receiver, even a tight end, that you want to highlight from this group, or do you want to just maybe make some more comments on Paris Campbell? Yeah, um, Paris is actually my pick um, too. Like, I'm, I'm just a, a big fan of Paris Campbell, and you know, last year that first game, we really seen him flourish, and I thought that he was going to have a big year if if he didn't uh, go ahead and get hurt in, in that in that week two game against Minnesota. So. Um, 
Paris Campbell, he's he's a player that really just gets like swept under the rug and people forget about him when you're talking about our receiving core. Like when when mo- most people like non-Colts content creators, they'll talk about our receiver our wide receivers and they'll mention Zach Pascal. They'll talk about T.Y. They'll talk about Michael Pittman, but low key, the best one out of them, the one who might have the most yards this year might be Paris Campbell. So uh, I'm, I'm a really big fan of Paris Campbell. And I think if he can stay healthy, he can have uh, at least, I'd, I'd say at least seven or 800 yards this year. You know, we're expecting big things from now number new number one. I'll say change on jersey number, but yeah, we're expecting big things. Obviously, uh, we've got to see it again. It, most important thing is he's got to stay on the field. He's got to stay healthy. It's coming into year three, and you know, guys, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's only maybe played in what three games, four games. So you, you, you've got to get that number up. Obviously, you know, it, it might be one of those things where you can't necessarily control it, but more than anything, you, you know, you want to see him on the field. You want to see what we're getting our money's worth for. So I'll highlight a couple other receivers. It's definitely Michael Pittman is definitely an exciting pick. Obviously, when we when we took him in the draft, the way he fell to us, I felt it was a great move. He's coming a big guy, 6'4", decent, you know, decent route runner, not so much on the speed, but he's a big target. Wentz has had plenty of experience throwing to big guys, especially, you know, Alshon Jeffries kind of revitalized his career in Philly. And then I guess the interesting one is in the tight end rooms that, yes, we all love Moali Cox, but Kylan Granson, because that was a pick that Frank Wright, more than anything on drafted, was extremely excited about. And he's essentially saying that he's going to be Trey Burton 2.0. And so I don't know about you guys. I wasn't necessarily a fan of the Trey Burton move, but that's a guy that Reich seems to be big on. So, you know, Zach, I'll ask you, is should we expect much from a rookie tight end who, as of right now, he's number three on the depth chart. But that's a guy who Reich, again, seemed extremely excited about on drafted. Yeah, I, I've kind of been reading some stuff on Granson, and uh, they say he could be a, a matchup nightmare. Uh, they do say he's quick, obviously young. Um, you know, I'm not going to dive too much into it, but I, I do think that we're going to see him. I maybe not essentially in the beginning, right? Um, and, and barring any injuries, which we hope that doesn't happen in the tight end room. Um, but I think they're going to start to figure out how to utilize him, and he could become a pretty, uh, pretty big part of this. This. Um, Colts team if what they're kind of hoping for and what what they draft him for does pan out um definitely keep your eye on him because uh it could um I mean it, he could be he could be the tight end of the future for the Colts so um keep eye on Kylan Granson's the name to watch yeah we'll definitely leave it there and as we close out the event going to the O-line Really, I don't think there's much to talk about. And I think the one name we will talk about and I'm sure you guys don't agree it's gonna be the health of Eric Fisher we we know the other four guys in the line. We we've seen them. They're consistent. They're solid. They're good. Wentz should have no problem getting touched and have all the time in the world. But that's going. I don't want to say it's going to live and die on Eric Fisher. But that left tackle position is going to be very important. You know, as we saw last season, especially in the games where Costanzo didn't play and the Raven Clark was just terrible. so. Anthony, I'll start with you on this one. So. Eric Fisher, we we know he's not going to be ready for week one. We understand that. But obviously you brought him in. He he should play a significant amount of the games. What's the expectation for Eric Fisher? Obviously taking replacing Eric Costanzo, who's a very good left left tackle. You could even argue very underrated. What's the pressure on Fisher? Yeah, I think um this also gets overlooked, but I think he has a ton of pressure on him. Um I'd say about the same pressure as 
say, um, Xavier Rhodes did last year. They basically signed him to a one-year prove-it deal, and Chris Ballard wouldn't have signed him if he wasn't uh, confident in his um, ability to get back after he's healthy. So as I'd say there's there's a, a good, decent amount of pressure because I, I did hear um, that, that Chris Ballard wanted to sign him to a longer-term deal, but because of his health and everything, they did sign him to that one-year prove-it deal. And I think he does have a lot to prove this year. People are probably thinking that he's not going to, you know, come back from this. He would probably still be with the Chiefs if he was healthy because we saw how Mahomes was running around um, in, in that last game. So um, I think that Air Fisher has a lot of uh, a lot of pressure this season to, to really perform. Um, obviously, if he gets hurt again or if he doesn't do well, I could totally see uh, the Colts going in and drafting a left tackle next year or, or um, just choosing not to resign him and, and to uh, grab someone else off of the uh, free agency market. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree with that. And if, if it was not the talk of the entire Twitterverse, it really, the offseason of the Colts, it was just, we knew Rivers was hard. We knew we needed a quarterback and we knew we needed a left tackle. And, you know, everyone's freaking out, especially on draft day, you know, you went defense, 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 and kind of freaking out. But so, Zach, I'll ask you, I guess one, we'll travel back to, Pre the Eric Fisher signing, were you were you concerned when free agents were falling off the board or even on draft? Those often the tackle prospects were getting taken before us, and then even then, uh, and the uh, same question I asked Anthony. So the the pressure on Eric Fisher to come into this unit. Yeah, no, definitely concerned. Uh, kind of like I had said earlier, is trying to trust Chris Ballard. I know it, it seems like it it tests every Colts fan's patience, uh, rightfully so. That's just why we're fans. Um, but, you know, kind of just trusting the process and kind of what he does. Yeah, of course it's concerning. Um, but I, I do think uh, that we did good, get a good left tackle in Eric Fisher. But I think the, the the important part here is this first five-game stretch of the season is the hardest stretch um, throughout our whole season. So it's going to be a very important part to how this team does pan out um, with a, how fast Eric Fisher comes back, and B, when he's not back, where, where, what does the team look like? What does the line look like? Um, I mean, the, the reality is, is anybody you put in left tackle is going to look a little bit better than where they played before simply because you have Quentin Nelson. Uh, I'm a big believer that if, if you can find a left tackle that's just quick on their feet to cover the outside, you got Quentin Nelson to fill the gaps on the inside. So that's kind of my hope. Uh, I guess the, the rumors is Sam Tevy is potentially going to start in that role, which is uh, not too uh, pleasant, but I do have faith with him next to Quentin Nelson. So um, yeah, I think Eric Fisher has, has, a, has a big weight on his shoulder. Uh, he is coming off a big injury onto a new team, um, a team that reality, I mean, it's probably one of the best offensive lines. And if he comes back to form, uh, the best offensive line in the NFL. And so, you know, he, he's, he's in the right spot. I think it helps uh, when you're trying to come back from such thing. And uh, so, yeah, if, I mean, if he comes back anywhere like he used to be, uh, um, Carson Wentz has no uh, no no excuses anymore. So um, that's, what, that's what we'll see. Uh, time will tell with Eric Fisher. Yeah, you know, uh, definitely. Obviously, he, his job should be easy. You know, we, we've said it on and on on this show. I'm sure people said it. You're playing next to number 56. It doesn't matter what your talent is. That's going to make your life a whole lot easier. Granted, we, we saw what LaRaven Clark was not able to do playing next 56, but so it remains to be seen. But Eric Fisher is, like you said, he's a proven left tackle in KC, number one, number one overall pick. You could argue whether that was a reach or whatnot, but he, he's been consistent. He's an all-pro left tackle. He's all-pro talent. You worry about his health, but Ballard 
obviously knows we don't and we're as you said it, it's it sounds weird to say we have to trust Ballard like it's a concern but he's shown that he deserves our trust especially over these past four years but so let, let's jump to the other side of the ball because really that's been the most questions and let's so let's start it off with the I'm gonna combine the front seven let's let's talk the D line let's talk the linebackers but so Zach I'll start with you let's get your opinions on the first round pick quitty pay so definitely give me your immediate draft day react and then your expectations because definitely on the last show we talked about how he doesn't necessarily have pressure but when you think about it he kind of does because he's got to make this pass rush come full circle to work yeah i do want to i do want to mark up too on my last comment about the offensive line and i know how you were talking with uh clark and stuff in there last year i think it's a big difference for defenses because you can't just run after the quarterback with carson wentz like you could philip rivers philip rivers isn't mobile like carson wentz can be so it does change the whole perspective of the defense and, and how that does work. So that, that will be some way off of whoever starts at left tackle until Eric Fisher comes back. Um, but Pay, um, I, I will make a little disclaimer for anybody that wants to hate me for this. I don't look into – I, mean, I don't watch college religiously to to no draft picks and all that. I don't really get into all that. Um, and so initially when I saw Quiddy Pay and started looking into him, I, I was a little concerned. Definitely a freak athlete. Um, it kind of seems like his pass rush is just straight on. Um, and in the NFL, your strength isn't outnumbered as much as it is in college, right? So he's going to be facing right tackles, left tackles that um, that essentially are, are just as strong or stronger. So that's where technique's going to come in. Uh, I Apparently his work ethic's great. Um, and so hopefully he can learn to, to uh, build those techniques. And if he does do that, I think, uh, I think he's going to pan out. Um, but then, you know, the other one is Deo. Uh, me personally, I was more excited for Deo. I think that dude is a is a freak athlete. Um, I was watching some film on him after we had drafted him, and, and there's several videos of Deo getting off the line a good second before anybody else even gets up. Uh, so his elusiveness and quickness is definitely uh, bar none and hoping for his injury. Um, but overall, I do think that the two defensive ends that we drafted in 1-2 is uh, could, could terrorize the NFL and the AFC South for the future if they do pan out. Yeah, you know, you, you kind of put that perfectly. And obviously, even, even then, let's go going back to the, the quarterback argument, the offensive line argument. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that it, it's going to make all of the difference because looking at the fact that uh, last season, Philip Rivers was sacked 19 times. Uh, you could probably give or take, you probably argue five of those could have been escaped with some mobility. So agreeing with you, Wentz has no excuse, not to mention of the mobility part. Not that it probably opens up the play. Because I'm, sure, I'm sure you can get more offense with RPOs and whatnot. If especially looking back at last season, you know every every fourth and every, every fourth and just fourth and one, you brought in Jacoby because Philip Rivers literally. So it definitely opens up the offense if anything. Going back on the defense, like you mentioned on Quiddy Pay and even on Dayo, that the pass rush from the edge position has got to be there. We we know the middle is going to be solid with Stewart and Buckner. Buckner obviously leading team in sacks. This so is Anthony now, so I'll go to you, Anthony. You got you got the two youngsters on the on the outside. Again, we've argued pressure and whatnot, but and you know that kind of brought the point that um, jumping from college to the NFL different world because you know, as they always say, everyone's faster. In college, you could be the biggest guy in the field at any position. So, Anthony, what's the challenge? I guess not so much for Quiddy Pay and the defense, but I guess what's the challenge for? Are we gonna finally get that double-digit sack leader on defense from anybody? Uh, honestly, um, I think so. I think. I think Buckner's going to get it this year only because, man, he was close last year. I think he had like nine or nine and a half last year, and Buckner was close. And I think that with Pays, with with his explosiveness 
on the edge, like the both those two youngsters on the edge, I think that we can create the pressure. Like I remember in that Buffalo game, Autry and Houston were just non-existent. Like it was, it was just crazy. Like basically what we're getting here this year for, from Quiddy Pay, in my opinion, it just a younger version of Justin Houston because Justin Houston didn't really have last year, at least what I've seen, he didn't really have a crazy set of pass rush moves. And, and I was at a few games last year. I was at the Houston game where he had a few sacks. He sacked what he got to Watson a few times, but even then he was just like, he was just using his power. And that's kind of what Quiddy pay is right now. He, he, he doesn't have like a refined set of pass rush moves, but he's younger and he's more explosive. So I think that if he, I don't think he's going to come on early, but working with Robert Mathis throughout the season, if he really like explodes towards the end of the year and like into the postseason, I think that like him creating pressure off the edge is going to give more opportunities for Buckner because Buckner was getting double teamed all the time. And I think that he can finally get, you know, I, I, I would say from like 10 to 12 sacks this year because people looked at Buckner sack number, numbers and they're thinking like this guy, like, oh, he's, he's, not, he's not even a top five defensive tackle. But if you watch a game, this is, it's an entirely different story. So I think with, with the two guys that we just drafted on the edge, it's going to create more opportunities for DeForest Buckner. Right, you know, and I, I love the fact that you bring up Buckner. Yeah, last year he finished with nine and a half, so he was right on that cusp of double-digit sacks. And, and I, pre- I appeared on the previous show, and the topic of Buckner came up. It, it's so it feels almost discredit to call him the second best tackle, defensive tackle in the league. But when Aaron Donald's at number one, and that gap is so huge, it, it almost disrespectful, but. It, Buckner is a very good talent, very good defensive tackle. Obviously, gets pressure from the inside position, which is extremely hard to do. But so, talking about the really, let's talk more about the linebacker group. There's really only one name that I kind of want to focus on, and that's Bobby Okariki. And so, Zach, I'm going to start with you because he's using Anthony Walker as the mic. Anthony Walker, very good, underrated linebacker. Now, Bobby has been good in spurts, but if you look at the snap counts, he has. It's not like he's played majority of the snaps he kind of split with anthony walker so with bobby okari taking over the full-time mic position one i'm not gonna ask if you think he's ready for it but i guess i'll put it this way are we going to see a change for the better in this team because obviously the middle linebacker is essentially your quarterback of the defense what differences do you think we're gonna see with bobby taking it over from what we had in anthony walker you're gonna see an immediate um immediate increase in this defense and this linebacker group, in my opinion. I uh, I didn't hate Anthony Walker by any means, but I do think Bobby Okariki is a better athlete as a whole. Um, I think uh, Anthony Walker was one-dimensional. I think Okariki can do both, and I think that's where the upside comes from him um, replacing Anthony Walker. There's a lot of, uh, of, of highlights of Bobby Okariki filling fill the right gaps. And that that's huge. That's hu- huge when it comes to especially a defense that has to play Derrick Henry twice a year, right? That's huge. And so I, I think that Okariki is going to be more well-rounded than Anthony Walker was. Yeah, they lose the leadership, but that's uh, kind of a role that Darius Leonard should be taking over uh, on the defense. So with the Bobby Okariki coming in for Anthony Walker, I was uh, very pleased about it. I know you have to to lose good players or lose players that you don't want to see leave. Um, but I think the, the 
front office made the right choice in letting Anthony Walker walk, if you will, um, and and replacing him with Bobby Okariki. I've said that I said that all last season. I think Okariki should get more snaps than uh, Walker, and so now I'm going to see if uh, what I wished for last season, if uh, if it was the right wish or not. And so uh, my immediate uh, reaction is it, it's uh, it's an upgrade for the linebacker group. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, and I kind of share the same sentiments of that. You didn't want to lose Walker, but it, like if he left, it, it was fine. I felt that we we had the his replacement essentially on the roster. It wasn't necessarily, and as we seen with Ballard, if he doesn't keep a guy, it, it clearly means something. He he preaches keep your own guys, paying your own. So the fact that he let him walk, he's obviously got a bigger plan and a view of the future. But so let's let's jump into the secondary because again, as we talked on the offense about how Paris Campbell's got to stay healthy, it's probably his make or break year. I would say on the defense, you've got the same guy, and it's another high draft pick, and that's Rocky Asin. Because the, the inconsistency we've seen with him, the defensive, the defensive PIs and the penalties, and from a guy who's supposed to be the number one of the future. So, Anthony, I'll start with you on Rock. Just one, do you think he's even win his job? Because we've got a lot of corners underneath him who could easily take the job from him. So, one, do you think he's winning the job? And then two, do you want to full out say this is make or break here, or do you think he might have another season after this? Oh man, uh, Rock is just—I'm—I'm I'm so back and forth on Rock. Rock sometimes he looks really good, and then other times, like he just—I don't—he just looks lost sometimes. So, man, it's—it's it's really a make or break year for Rock. I think um, what's going to happen, I don't know. Um, like I said, he's too unpredictable for me to like even think what like if he's going to improve or not. Because I had high hopes for him last year, but then he did, it was so up and down. So I think I think it's definitely a make or break year. Um, if if he doesn't really perform, I can easily see him getting cut or traded. Yeah, and then you know Zach, I'll talk. To, I'll jump to you. Obviously, definitely. I know on our on our on our past show, obviously we've had a lot to say about. Rock and the inconsistency. We sometimes have also felt that the defense kind of just threw him to the wolves, especially in his rookie year. But so uh, coming into year three in the league, you know, we, we know road to start and Kenny Moore is going to start, but you know, TJ Carey, Martell, they're, they're sitting there behind him. Is rock going to be a day one starter? I, me personally, I think we see him start uh week one. Uh, I don't know that we'll see him start at the end of the season. Um, I, I liked Marvel Tell, um, obviously, before he set out a year. So if he comes back to form, he could be a uh, a, uh, a true test to Rocky Sin and who starts there. Um, outside of the two of them on that side, I don't think we have many other replacements right now. And so uh, that may be the sole reason we see Rocky Sin play all year. Um, but I don't think uh, he does. And... I do think it's a make or break year for him. I think he's just kind of out of control playing. Uh, it seems kind of sometimes like the NFL is too fast for him, if you will, um, with how many pass interference and, uh, calls he gets on him. So I do think it's a big year for Rocky Sin. I think it's um, – and I think this will decide if he's on the Colts next year or not. Uh, there's got to be some improvement made there. Yeah, obviously, you know, you mentioned the PI, the defense PI, because you've got to get that corrected. That You can't have that happen. Uh, agreeing with you totally where he seems kind of – the league's too fast for him. I would say corner, probably after quarterback, obviously cornerback is probably the toughest position to transition when going from college to the NFL. But obviously, the you know, the, the cornerback group, the secondary group is important. It's going to be important in the sense of that. 
It's talking about the, the Titans picked up Julio Jones. That offense is hitting with Julio Jones, AJ Brown, and Derrick Henry in the backfield. You're not so you're not stuffing an eight-man box. You're gonna have the safety help kind of on purpose, but on the flip side, someone's gonna have a mismatch. So obviously, we 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 know Rhodes is consistent. We know Kenny Moore is consistent. That that number two corner needs to be kind of confirmed and locked down. But really, a, a name that people have ignored, TJ Carey. Statistically, last season, TJ Carey was our best corner. So I'm not too worried if obviously if Rock doesn't work out. But when you're looking about towards the future and the youth, you, you need him to work out, obviously. Mar- Marvel Tell has made strides moving from safety over to corner. But Rock was heralded as being the number one corner of the future. And so he's gotta he's gotta figure out his issues for one and two. We've got to see that consistency moving forward. Yeah, I I I, I will kind of say one thing too is I think obviously we have our concerns about Carson Wentz, but the uh the cornerback group is my biggest concern on this roster. Um Obviously, I think Kenny Moore is great, um, but I think Xavier Rhodes is kind of inconsistent. Looking at he had great years in um, Minnesota, then has an off year or two, and then comes here. Now he's back up with the, uh, you know, the secondary coach. But we'll see, right? Um, and overall, too, I think that's that's a difference. Focusing on the Titans is with Oak Creek being able to to shove some gaps. Anthony Walker couldn't do that very often. So I think that helps our defense with being able to stop uh, Derrick Henry or at least contain him a little bit better, opening up that to where we can pay attention to the secondary with Julio and uh, A.J. Brown. All right, then real quick for the next subject. Richard, Sir- Richard Sherman's still available. You want to bring him in Indy? No. <laughs> no. I don't know that I really need to talk on that. I'm just uh, not a big Richard Sherman fan. I think he has more issues off the field and wanting to get on Twitter and Instagram and all this and actually playing the game. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's had some good years, but I, I don't think he's a locker room fit for Indy. <laughs> but so w- with the roster, I mean, well, I guess we could jump into the special teams group. And, you know, Anthony, I'll start with you. I mean, we obviously didn't nothing work, but we know it's going to be, we know Rigo's punting. We we know res- we're going to respect the fact Rodrigo's going to be kicking. So, I guess the only concern is that he was one for three in terms of yards from 50 out. Is that something to really be worried about or is it just rookie jitters? Uh, I, you know, it, I think that was just a little rookie jitters. Um, personally, I wasn't really, I wasn't mad at, at what he did compared to what we had the year prior with Adam Vinatieri and all those missed kicks that basically lost us games. So, um, you, you know what? Like, I, I, I do think that he does need to get better. I think he, I think it was good that they brought in Eddie Pinero to, to um, bring in some competition for him um, because he, he did miss the kick. I forgot how far it was in, in the Buffalo game. I think it might've been from, uh, sub 30 yards out like 34 35 I, f- I forgot what it was but he missed that kick and and we ended up losing by three points so obviously like in, in those big moments he he has to make those so um I, I think that it was it's good that they're bringing in competition but everybody on this roster um had a chance to get better and they and I, th- I think that the like all, all the guys on special teams like aren't excluded from that I think every everybody has to improve and including um our, our, our guy. Zach, anything you want to add on on Rodrigo or just leave it at that? Yeah, this be quick. Um, yeah, I think obviously the numbers are scary, kind of the stuff you had brought up, but um, in the end, the backup's Eddie Panero. They brought him in 
just to literally give a, a competition for Rodrigo come training camp and stuff. So, uh, yeah, a little scary for a rookie year. Um, but again, he's better than a lot of other options. Uh, and another thing I kind of want to bring up, too, is watch out for Isaiah Rogers. Uh, ran a faster 40 than Paris Campbell. Uh, I, Rogers ran a faster 40 at his pro day than Paris Campbell did at the combine. Um, and, and you saw what he could do on, on the kickoff team. So uh, realistically, Isaiah Rogers, me personally, could stand a chance at potentially being the, the return specialist for the Pro Bowl. He, he could potentially be a Pro Bowler. So I know that's kind of outlandish, and, and I, sometimes I give takes like that, um, but I just kind of have a feeling that he could he could be something special uh, taking the kicks back. Hey, you know, I'd love to see it. And then especially, you know, that that Cleveland Browns game, that return, that return sparked the comeback. Obviously ended up in a loss, but, you know, special teams can do that. And if anything, hey, we should know, the Super, go back to the Super Bowl, Devin Hester takes the opening kickoff to the house. So the special teams definitely has a same matter – Saying a matter of play of things, and even Isaiah Rogers, obviously, you know, Naeem Hines isn't too bad either in the return game. So, th- this is probably one of the few years in a while where, at least on the return aspect, you know, the Colts got some threats back there. Like, when's, when's the last time we really had guys who were threats to take it back for six? Been a while, yeah. But with that, so let, let, let's talk week one, you know, let, let's get into it. So, obviously, Zach, you are the master of the tailgate you've been a season ticket remember how long you've been a season actually i'll just do it this way how about just remind our viewers how long you've been a season ticket holder for and then you know break us in break us down for how you really got into tailgate uh this will technically i guess you could say two but would be my third year of uh season tickets uh i've always wanted to get them growing up uh finally i pulled the trigger and uh, i don't see that going away anytime soon so um you know i I got season tickets. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, shout out to him, Dalton Spear. He uh, he's a big time tailgater as well, and uh, he's kind of the one that sparked all this. Um, I just kind of invite the people, and then you know help out where I can for him, uh, getting more involved each each week. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a tailgate. Uh, everybody's invited. Uh, don't be shy. We'll be there at seven o'clock in the morning, uh, week one against Seattle. Um, it's it's at the 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 paved lot at West Street and McCarthy. Um, he drives a yellow X there. It's the best way to kind of describe it. It's bright yellow. Um, there's no other bright yellow vehicles in the lot, uh, but he a full setup, uh, plenty of cornhole, plenty of food. The only thing we ask is obviously you bring your own drinks. Cause that can get a little expensive with the amount of, uh, feedback I've gotten from people wanting to attend these. So, uh, even if you don't come the whole time, stop on by interact. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Colts Twitter, um, set the beef aside and just come and enjoy each other. And, uh, I mean, in real re- reality, it's, the first year, you know, and two that we've had a, a full capacity stadium. I know everybody's excited and I think it's going to be a great time for, um, with what we're coming off of this pandemic is everybody finally being back together, uh, for what in the end we all truly love to see. And that's uh, Colts football, despite what you may think and the other person thinks. So come on out. Uh, we'll be there at 7am and, uh, probably close shop at probably a little bit early on week one. Cause I do think it's going to be a pretty wild and I don't want to miss any of the festivities prior to the game. Um, that's going to be a special thing. So about 7 AM to 12, 15, uh, Eastern time. Um, like I said, stop by, grab a burger, brought, um, have a few drinks and just kind of visit and, uh, and show your face at, at these tailgates and, uh, let's make Colts Twitter, you know, more of a bonding group than, um, you know, what we see some days. So. Yeah, definitely. No, we're looking to make this just a massive, Colts group Twitter get there. Obviously, like you mentioned with with the last season and capacity crowds, shutdowns and whatnot. This first year, it feels like first year. It's going to be a first time in a while where Colts fans are back 
to be back as a unit. You should just go out and make this thing a giant blast. Can, you know, come kick it at come kick the tailgate again. Colts beat will be coming to you live from there. Be sure to stop in, say hi. You know, maybe even jump on the stream. We're gonna have a lot of things for you. Might potentially have another giveaway for you guys on a week one. Obviously, speaking to who have boosted our numbers ever since we put up that that tweet about the Marlon Mack giveaway. You guys have by the hundreds come through and jumped our subscriber count up. So definitely can't thank you enough for that. Beats, as we're recording this right now, right now this is day, that's coming to you guys on the 14th. Today's the 11th. So be sure to keep a lookout on that. You still plenty of time to enter and take it. I've got over 50 entries right now for that Marlon Mack giveaway. So if you are listening to this and have not already, be sure to jump on our Twitter at SIA Colts Beat. There is a picture. It is pinned on our pinned on our Twitter account. Be sure to like, retweet, and comment below on that. Make sure you are following us. We will give you a follow back that'll enter you in. But definitely keep in tune for that. And then Zach, if you want to um, go ahead and drop your Twitter blog, see where see our uh, list follow you. Yeah, of course. Um... You'll see some cold stuff on there. You'll see uh, other stuff on there as well. Just know, too, that I um, I try to be full of positivity. Um, but my Twitter handle is Zakarm. It's Z-A-C-A-R-M underscore. One underscore. It's Again, it's at Zakarm. Z-A-C-A-R-M underscore. Drop a follow, um, and I'll follow you back. And uh, I love interaction and being able to talk to people about the Colts. Um, and really just uh, diving into uh, what the season may be. I think this is uh, – maybe I say this every year just out of excitement, but I think this is probably one of the most anticipated seasons Colts fans um, are excited for and, and uh, that they can remember. So um, get ready. I mean, week one is just going to be a madhouse. I mean, you're talking potentially the loudest Lucas Oil Stadium's ever been. T.Y. Hilton comes out of the tunnel for the first time after what we saw in the summer being – um, a movement. Um, and so, you know, a shout out to Colts Twitter. Um, that's my favorite player. and. Uh, I just can't wait to see everybody. I hope everybody shows up. It, it's going to be an exciting time. Looking forward to it. Like I said, season's right around the corner. Only a couple of months away. But we're going to end it off here. Definitely give Zach a follow. And obviously, thank you for coming on. You're excited. You are always welcome on this platform. As always, make sure you're following us. SIA Colts Beat. Definitely on behalf of myself, Anthony, Zach, everyone at the Say It Again Network. Thank you for tuning in. We thank you for listening. Let's look forward. We've got two months down and counting, and let's go Colts. Colts beat out. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals and that's more than three. It's basic math. 
Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. It's the JCPenney Mother's Day Sale. Shop now and save on gifts mom will love. Brighten her day with jewelry up to 70% off with coupon. Find something special at our store-wide Liz event with savings up to 40% off. Plus extended store hours Friday and Saturday. This Mother's Day, make her day truly monumental. Shopping is back. JCPenney. Offers valid on select items through 5-8. Liz event offer good through 5-16. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details.